It's Left Look. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, April 9th, and it's a Sunday, and I'm here with my best friends, DJ. Hi. And Jacob. Hello. It's Easter. It's Easter Sunday. It's yeah. Easter Sunday. 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 <laughs> Be there. Should we um, should we should we acapella the intro since we since we don't have it on hand right now? <laughs> I was just gonna do it in post, but we could try. Um, oh, you're doing post. That's cowardly. Uh, I want to see you go for it right now. <laughs> I only remember the stinger. Um, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. We, we can acapella the stinger. Dunk it, 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 dunk As you can see, we are uh. You know, trying something else technically today. We are all uh, gathered around one microphone as to opposed our own individual desks as we usually do at the Gato Institute. Yeah, they took our desks away. We're facing budgetary restraints. It's, uh, it's rough. The, uh, what was that podcast? The 24 Shades of Blue or uh-huh. whatever? They, uh, they stripped <laughs> our funding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they stopped just short of arresting us. But <laughs> Charles stepped in and said, hold on, wait, like... That's actual fascism. You yeah. only do fascism light in yeah, Ontario. Yeah. Um, but Charles Charles got us one mic and said, here's here's an old laptop. Make uh, it work. Make it work. Yeah, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we're all just, we have our masks on. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're just huddled together for warmth and convenience. Um, and we're going to have a great time today. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. We're definitely not going to have a lot of dead space. No. Where no one knows what to say. Um, no, I'll just start talking about women again. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds really uh, popular. Yeah. <laughs> That's what gets clicks online. Yeah. It's, it's women. Misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> Julian segment. What's wrong with women? Yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to start with a, a recurring uh, piece that we usually go with. I usually go with. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, I have I didn't start listening to uh, Chapo Trap House until we started this podcast. Right. This is weird. Just in case it's directional. Mid microphone. Nice. Uh, Mid recording mic spin. Yeah. Anyways, I uh, I started obsessively watching Chapo Trap House uh, on. Uh, as like a way to improve this program <laughs> and uh it's because they're good at what they do right sure and uh they're they're funny they talk over each other trying to get their jokes in and all the time there's never any dead space i, I guess if you think that's good i mean well, it, it is a little annoying to listen to sometimes because you can know one person has a better point than the other and yet they're still trying to just make sure there's no dead space and there's always a joke going because mm-hmm. they are worried about losing their patreon audience at any time right yeah you can tell, but uh, we don't have to worry about that. We don't. We have a dedicated audience yeah. of Patreon members. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> fanatics. Even I wonder if Adam will subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon. At forty-five dollars a month, I don't see why he wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. So they uh, uh, saying all that and giving them all their compliments. I uh, I came to shit on them a little bit, and only because they had Norman Finkelstein on, yeah. and someone I respect, like, a lot, oh, okay. and he dommed them for, like, an hour. <laughs> he spoke basically for 55 minutes. Will Medeker spoke for, like, the guy who does uh, all the readings and brings in most of the articles. He right. spoke for, like, a minute, maybe two minutes, and then the uh, other guy, the funniest one of them, Felix he made one joke. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last guy, the smartest of them, Matt Kreisman, didn't speak at all. Wow. I'm not sure if he was there. I love those episodes. But he didn't say a word. And it's because Norman Finkelstein was just like... <laughs> for like, just slamming him for like an hour. Or was he... Were they debating? Uh, debating, no. He was professing. Oh. He, he was teaching he them. Was like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Sounds like a good interview. It, it was a great interview. He, like, I'm only making fun of them because I go to them to like learn to do better, and it's mm-hmm. like, there are better people. I should listen to other people, right? So their okay. lesson here is to invite smarter people on the show and let them talk instead? Yeah, okay. I, I guess that's the lesson, but uh, he, uh, he did like five bits in a row where he was just like, I'm the fucking king and you do what I tell you. The first one, he was like, uh, 
uh, they were talking about the the Russia uh, Ukraine war, sure. and they were talking about, but they had just shifted from talking about the Israel Palestine conflict, right? Mm. And so this uh, Norman Finkelstein guy, whose parents are survivors of the Holocaust, right? So like the, he's Jewish. Yeah, with a last name like that. I knew you knew, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was fucking anti-Semitic. <laughs> uh, but no, it's not. You're right. He's obviously Jewish with a name like Finkelstein. Um, nice um so he goes in and he's talking about the uh these nato people like jan stoltenberg the head of nato uh-huh. um or is that the head of nato nato whatever i don't know what a boring name yeah uh-huh. and he talks about how they have all this sympathy for the uh the israeli people and the israeli government right but then they have just like this vicious barbarism when it comes towards thinking about the russians and the russian people right yeah and he, uh, and he said something that was just so incredible. I'm going to recreate the bit. I, th- I was so impressed by it. He goes, um, 6 million Jews died in the, uh, World War II. 30 million Russians died. Mm-hmm. And then he says to Will Menneker, pull up Wikipedia, Putin's Wikipedia, and read me his, uh, his childhood, right? It's only four lines long. And yeah. he has the guy read him his childhood. And Putin loses two brothers, three uncles, both grandfathers mm. in uh, World War II, and his dad is severely injured, yeah. right? He's like, so that's basically all he thinks about growing up. And he's like, I'll tell you right now, uh, when I was growing up, my mom's side of the family had pictures that survived, my dad's side didn't, mm-hmm. and so we have those pictures. They're like a little sacred uh, monument. And he said, I guarantee you Putin's got pictures on his mantle of his fucking family that yeah. was wiped out by these Nazi barbarians, right? And I just thought that was so fucking top dog shit, you know, like, pull up the Wikipedia and make my point for yeah. me, you little bitch. <laughs> like, I was like, damn, that was impressive. I gotta wonder if he, uh, he was the one who went in and quick edited the Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, he's got the, uh, the bona fides to get away with that. Yeah. Um, but, and then he did another bit, which, uh, was to disrespect Obama. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was so good. That's one of your faves. Yeah, I hate Obama. And uh, he said, um, oh, how did it go? He said, there's only one uh, really good biography on, uh, on Obama. And uh, it doesn't matter who it's by. I don't remember who it's by. Yeah. But it's 1,500 pages, he okay. said. And at the end of 1,200 pages, there's 300 pages of end, end notes. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, well, I think that's amazing. Okay, sure. <laughs> Teach their own. Yeah, but uh, not only are there 300 pages of end notes, but they're double columned. Oh. So there's actually 600 pages of end notes. Gross. When you say end notes, you mean like a bibliography? Technically, no. But yeah. More yes. like an epilogue? Yeah, so for every time it's referenced, you get the exact reference that it comes, anything oh. is referenced. You get the exact place that he got it from. Oh, okay. Obama's okay, speech, yeah, yeah. uh, as valedictorian of Harvard okay. or whatever, 2001 or 2002. Oh, okay, you okay, get that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like more. Yeah. Because when I get to an epilogue of a book, I just, I'm so mad. <laughs> I've already read the story. I don't want to read more. It's not, it's, it's more, it's, it's an citation. academic. Yeah, right, okay. yeah. It's, it's more of a, an argument reinforcer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, he described it as exhausting to the point of exhaustive, Mm -hmm. that he had delved into every nook and crant. I love that, exhausting to the point of exhaustive. That's such a good (laughs) turn of phrase. That he had, like, delved into everything about Obama's life. And then he's like, so I I didn't want to say anything about Obama, really, because I had nothing new to say. But Mm -hmm. I thought I would quote this guy. So at the end of his 1,300-page fucking investigation or whatever, he says... The vessel is empty. There's mm. nothing there. He's not particularly bright. He doesn't work particularly hard. Mm. He doesn't uh, have any particularly uh, firm principles. I was just like, damn, slaughtered, right? <laughs> like, and uh, I, like the day after that, I heard Joe Rogan do like a two-minute monologue about how Obama was like the best president ever because he was so educated and so smart. And mm. I was just like, God damn it, the fucking world is so doomed right that like that guy has the greatest microphone around right that he can reach so many millions of people and he's like singing the praises of such a below average man you know such a (laughs) such a terribly average person you know but does he have to share a microphone with two other people I don't think so. Usually he does. Yeah, they each have their own mics, don't they? Oh, sorry. We are sharing (laughs) one microphone today. He doesn't have uh, uh, this on-plane-air experience, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. alfresco recording that we've got going on. Jeez. This really can't be beat. 
So I, what I'm saying is our opinion matters more because mm. yes. we because we have to struggle for what we do. Uh, the uh, the reason I brought up Norman, Norman Finkelstein though is because during the episode he said that um, he wanted to make a distinction between the occupation that uh, we that people usually describe uh, the Israeli occupation of the Palestinian territories. Right. And he said that it has to be described as an annexation from now on because mm-hmm. they see it as one state. They're never leaving. Mm-hmm. And so that's technically under the UN, uh, an annexation, right? And yeah. then it, it comes with extra, I don't know, uh, responsibilities for Israel, uh, right. for those people that are within the annexed territories. Like they're supposed to have democracy mm-hmm. or whatever. And they, they're being subject to genocide is more official and all that shit. Yeah. But uh, I, I wanted to bring it up because the uh, on CNN this morning I saw that uh, Jordan has uh, warned Israel of catastrophic consequences if Al Aqsa Mosque is uh, stormed again. Right, uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Dang. no, the the Kingdom of Jordan uh, <laughs> on the uh. eastern bank of the the river. I don't know what what the river is called. They just say the river to the sea all the time. I love that saying. That's where they go. <laughs> Um, the Euphrates or no? That's Iraq, isn't it? The, yeah, the Tigris and the Euphrates are definitely in the uh, are in Iraq. I don't think uh, I don't know what river they refer to when they say the river to the sea. It might just be the Jordan River. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that maybe. sounds right. Um, but when the people say river to the sea, they're talking about making one a one state solution in Israel where you rename it to Palestine and it becomes a secular democracy. Uh, right. with enforced constitutional steps to protect those religious rights, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of Israeli people will, uh, sorry, Israeli propaganda tries to make river to the sea sound uh, genocidal against Jewish people or anti-Semitic, but it's not. It's like rejecting their religious fascism. Yeah. I've gone completely off on a tang- tangent here. Okay, we're eating up time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, nom, 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 nom. Nom, nom, nom. Uh, you guys thought we would have lots of dead space, and I've just been chattering away. Yeah, no, no it's good. Jacob here. We've got Jacob right in front of the mic. Yeah. <laughs> just live. This is where he should be. This, this is where he thrives. Honestly, I should have my own radio show. Yeah. <laughs> we we only we're only here to just facilitate your yeah your talking. Is that really how you feel about <laughs> it? I hope not. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really know where the kingdom of Jordan is. If I envision. The, that area, mm-hmm. where relative to say Iraq or uh, the east of Israel, okay, kind of north but not really, uh huh, and then uh, west of Iraq, okay, so sandwiched there, like uh, near the Red Sea or further away from it, touching the Red Sea, touching the red on the north, north the north bank, I think so. Okay, so bordering Saudi Arabia. Ooh, right. if I was pressed on it, I would say no, but it might be. Uh-huh. I mean, it might. Just in that it. area, yeah. though, in the uh, peninsula. We're doing a geography check. Here. Oh, sorry. We're also going to figure out which river it is. Okay. The, uh, I saw a great Chris. Oh, I'm getting really off the Al Aqsa Mosque thing now, <laughs> but I saw this great Christopher Hitchens thing one time mm. where uh, they were talking about the invasion of uh, Iraq at the time. Right. And Christopher Hitchens, uh, I, who ended up supporting the war, but I don't think he was there yet at mm. the time. But he uh, he was going up against this conservative uh, personality, and he asked the conservative personality, or demanded of him, in yeah. fact, he said, I'll support you if you can name every country that borders Iraq. Mm-hmm. I'll support your support of the invasion. <laughs> and he could not name a single goddamn country. It was nice. so funny. Um, yeah. uh, Jordan does not touch the Red Sea. <gasps> Scandalous. Sandwiched between Israel... Saudi. Uh, Syria and Saudi Arabia. Okay. It does touch the Gulf of Aqaba. Okay. Which juts off of the Red Sea. Right. So. Aqaba. Aqaba, yeah. <laughs> you, uh. But I don't know what river they're talking about. Isn't that that, uh, isn't that, that famous band? Aqaba? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, gimme, gimme, gimme a man after midnight. Abba. Oh, 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 Abba. If you uh, had both watched my favorite movie ever, Lawrence of Arabia, uh-huh. you would know all about Aqaba. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mamma Mia there for a minute. No. Aqaba is uh, where uh, how T. Lawrence makes his name. He, yeah. he takes 50 men across what is supposed to be an impassable desert. Mm-hmm. And when he gets on the other side, the Arabs on the other side are like, yeah, we'll follow you. Yeah. And then they take this coastal town that the British can 
sail into after and supply their push into Israel and Palestine area. Wow. And so... You gotta love when uh, famous generals or people from history are just famous for bringing people to a place they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking of Hannibal, just just hauling all those people across the mountains. All, yeah, every single most impressive military endeavor ever is just in an extended hike. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just like, a walk. Dang, your logistics—they yeah. were spot on. Well, yeah. no, D-Day was like a swim, kind of. Uh, it's not that impressive though. I think D-Day was a walkover, a mathematical certainty. Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't it mostly due to a big distraction? Yeah. Didn't they mostly just play smoke and mirrors and go, "Oh, we're going over here"? Psych. Yeah, yeah that's impressive. The, it's funny. The number of tanks per kilometer versus the number of tanks per kilometer that they had means that there was no way, no how, anything but a complete victory for the Allies to happen. Like, other than like retardation and incompetence at every level of the command there's there was just no way they could lose that whereas something like the miracle on the marne which is described as a miracle 1914 Mm. is just the ability of french and british troops to walk basically without sleeping for two weeks right (laughs) (laughs) they were just like we got to stop walking backwards now. Now yeah. we got to go the other way. Tired <laughs> as fuck, right? It is an extended hike. That's all that is. Yeah, just uh, the, the raw constitution. But anyways, to get back to the mosque. The mosque. What's mosque. going on here? So Israel keeps raiding this mosque, Al-Aqsa Mosque. Mm-hmm. And Al-Aqsa means the farthest. And it just means the farthest that Muhammad ever got. Right. Because this is apparently where Muhammad ascended to heaven. Okay. On a okay. winged horse. Love that for him. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, obviously of importance to Muslim people, right? And in Jerusalem, which is, you know, claimed to be the capital of the Israelis, who are a ethno-religious state. And so they keep going into this mosque and, you know, taking people from it. And they claim that these people are terrorists or that they're barricaded inside of it. But, mm-hmm. like, there is a, a pre-state religious understanding of a sacred ground that it's... Uh, the term is called sanctuary, right? right? When you go into there, you're not supposed to be got by the uh, the government forces because they are supposed to have no uh, no pull over God or whatever, right. right? And more than that, more than that violation of that kind of ancient understanding of uh, international politics, it's bad international politics mm-hmm. because you are angering the Arab world every time you go against them. It is an insult to their prestige. It yeah. is an assault to their status, right? That they can't defend their most holy sites of, mm-hmm. out around the world against peoples who are much less powerful than them, too. It's, it's kind of just mean, too. It is mean. It is mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nonsensically mean. It's, in fact, meant to provoke violence from the Palestinians because mm-hmm. the Palestinians have uh, adopted a, a diplomatic stance that they think... It, it's uh, it's kind of taken from Polish uh, resistance movements, but after they were divided up between the Prussians and the Russians, they right. realized that violence would just get them fucking crushed. Mm-hmm. And so what they decided to do was just work, right? Just work, try and create families and maintain themselves in that area. And mm-hmm. that was the best way to revolt against the Russian imperialism, was to survive, mm-hmm. basically, right? Yeah. And, um so the Palestinians have basically taken a play out of that book, and they're basically no violence is the the command coming down from the top, right? Yeah. But violence has to be responded with when something like this happens, right? And so rockets were fired against Israeli settlements mm-hmm. and uh, from Palestinian territories, and then that gives an excuse for the uh, armed forces of the Israelis to go out and do more fucking genocide, mm-hmm. right? And more repression of those peoples. And so... Well, I don't know where I was going anymore. The mosque? The, Israel sucks. Yeah, Israel sucks. Free Palestine? Yeah, Free Palestine. Okay. Yeah, that's basically all I had to say on that. What's, um, you mentioned this silly little, the the state of Palestine, but it becomes a, mm-hmm. a theocratic democracy? Mm-hmm. Is that... Sorry, no, a, a secular democracy. Right, okay, and that's just the, 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 the reign of the religion in the area. The secular one-state solution Mm -hmm. because there used to be uh something uh called the two-state solution that everyone agreed with right right? which was that there would be a palestine on the east and israel on the west and that jerusalem would be an internationally administered city meaning its security is done by the un right Mm -hmm. like the vatican what no that's the swiss guard 
Yeah. The Vatican is a completely independent state. They have... They're fucking good. Um, I don't know what it would be more like. Berlin, right after World War II? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, an internationally administered city, that dog won't hunt because nobody's got interest in that and it yeah. just costs money. You yeah. know what I mean? It costs money every day. And uh, so the new solution that the left mostly unifies around is uh, uh, their own one-state solution, right? right? Instead of an Israel that, you know, administers to these Palestinians, which they've proven they can't, yeah. that their fascism is too complete, you do a one-state Palestine solution. Right. Where, and also, Israel doesn't have a constitution, right? right. It's just... A parliamentary system kind of making it up as it goes along yeah. very english styled fucking uh approach and so what they would do is put in these firm constitutional uh requirements that religious freedom is protected basically above all right, right. and then that would uh, allow a more democratic secular liberal uh government to take hold in the mm. whole area and give suffrage to all the palestinians which would be good in the interim? It should be the final solution. Do you Oof. think? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Oof. That, uh, that didn't sound great. Yeah, a bit of a tasteless remark. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one-state solution. The, the final, final solution. solution. <laughs> oh, jeez. That is not what I meant. Uh, uh, I, I sure hope not. Um, so that's just what we have to... That's that's what we give into is a, is a liberal state. That's like uh, the best no, we can hope for. No, for the Palestinian uh, one-state solution to happen, this is my best-case scenario, because okay. otherwise they, uh, the Palestinians are doomed to be right. genocided out of existence. Very slowly. Very slowly, but still all the same, right? Yeah. Uh, the UN would have to cooperate to decapitate, is what the word I like to use, the Israeli government, yeah. which means airstrikes and possibly even ground forces yeah. to topple the government and install their own, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. That's violence. That is. Yeah. And, but that sounds much more preferable than what the Palestinians are set up for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also much more preferable than the uh, Israelis cracking down on their own liberal left people that they have. Yeah, unfortunately, once once fascism does take root, yeah. that's often the only solution, is I, to just remove the whole... They go for everybody. Yeah. First they came for, and, and when there was nobody left to protect me, they came for me. Right? Yeah. But, um... The Israelis are suffering right now, suffering. They're experiencing huge protests right now mm -hmm. from Israeli citizens, right? Jewish Israelis yeah. who are upset about this fascism that Benjamin Netanyahu is impo imposing, right? He right. recently took the power from the Supreme Court to uh, overrule him away, yeah. right? So the Supreme Court's been neutered. Because he technically lost that last election, right? I, I if think you he can even call it an election i think he won it uh -huh. right but uh he no longer wants to have to deal with them is right but you know what the the election uh ac accusation is fair i i don't know enough about it but my suspicion is he actually won because mm -hmm. israel uh israeli citizens largely do support that right-wing right. nonsense but they did before this well, no, the, the people that are protesting are a, a minority, right? And a mm. con concentrated minority. They're mostly and only in Tel Aviv, right? Mm. And that's their only coastal city and probably most important economic center right. as well, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I was going again. The, the educated citizens of Tel Aviv are protesting. Right. Uh, do, do you see... Um, do you see Jordan actually stepping in? Or do you think it's just right? Uh, Jordan, just that's where we started. Yeah, Jordan threatening to invade Israel is hilarious. It's like Canada and uh, threatening to invade America. Can't be done, right? Can't be done. I mean, could be done, yeah. but would be disastrous. <laughs> yes. um, as, as I mean, we, we did it before. As funny as a gnat threatening an elephant, we did not. <laughs> the British did. Yeah, we us. just tagged along. That yeah. was us. We pushed them out of Canada, right? Yeah. We did not invade America. <laughs> no. We put down the White House. The British did that. There yeah, was, that was no us. Canadians involved. That was us. I can pull up the commanders, the regiments involved. There's gotta all be at British. least there's gotta be at least one Canadian. I'm telling you, well, it was almost all British people. Almost. <laughs> That's just because there was no Canada yet. 
No, like, <laughs> Britain's from Britain. Like, who went back to Britain after they burned down the White House. Most of them. <laughs> you know. Some stick around. Yeah, you, t- you take a trip overseas. Why go, why go back? That's actually the British kind of uh, mandate to empire, right? We're here. We'll leave some of you, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, yeah. So Jordan's, Jordan's not doing anything? No, you see so, any other country nearby doing anything? Jordan's exactly. That's the real threat. Jordan can't do anything. But what happens if everyone in the area gets so pissed off all of a sudden that uh-huh. they decide uh, Egypt, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, right, uh, Libya reunites under this cause, right? Cyprus, the powerhouse. Cyprus, Cyprus, is, <laughs> Cyprus is not very uh, Muslim. Unconquerable island. <laughs> I think Cyprus is mostly Orthodox, right? Uh, uh, it's it's Turkish Greek split, I yeah. know, but I don't think it's as Muslim in Cyprus. Northern itself. Cyprus is it? I, that was the whole reason behind Northern Cyprus, wasn't it? The no, the it's, the it's the Turkish Greek split. I'm not uh, sure religion yeah. really has. You're any. thinking of Northern Ireland, yeah. oh, right? Religion right. has something to do there, yeah. Right? <laughs> but uh, you know, even if the Greeks and the Turks were the same uh, religion, they'd kill each other just as viciously. Right? Yeah, they, the Nintelos uh, will do that. Yeah, they uh, they're in competition over what they see as only one. There can only be one. Yes. <laughs> um. Right. So the Middle East is headed towards some fun times. I don't know because I've been hearing like a lot. Of the propaganda, the American propaganda machine, has been turning on that news about the Iran Saudi Arabia deal. Right. And I don't know. The one about them not making gas cause, or not selling as much oil because China asked them to? Well, yeah, but before that, they had a... Before uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia were not talking to each other. They, right. had, they had no envoys to be able to talk to each other. And so China normalized relations with them again, between mm-hmm. them. So that means they have diplomats going back and forth. They're going to be able to come to understandings. The war in Yemen will tamp down. Yeah. The oil thing was definitely China's play from the beginning, mm. but it wasn't the main goal, nor is it the main effect that's uh, um, important to think about here while talking about Israel, mm. right? Because if the Iranians are like, yeah, maybe we will just chill yeah. and, and uh, not throw down with the Saudis, like, any cost. Yeah. Because the Iranians are the natural hegemon of that region, right? They mm. have, they've always been the natural hegemon of that region. But Saudi Arabia has once or twice throughout history conquered that whole area, yeah. right? And now they have the most valuable resource in the world that they can sell to the market mm-hmm. to make an army that can do it, right? And so they're basically destined to clash over who's going to be hegemon of that area for right. the next couple hundred years. But... If uh, the Chinese all of a sudden start buying people's stuff in such numbers that they, they don't need to worry about their economic situation for a bit and they can just chill. Yeah. And the Israelis are doing such, you know, unnecessary and disgusting acts of perfidy, you know, just to insult them, basically. Right. Why wouldn't you just let that area be destroyed if you're the iranians Mm -hmm. and the the saudis say we want to lead a coalition against the most powerful military in the middle east i'd say best of luck cheers right and i'd be like we'll even chill out while you do that right Uh because the saudis will suffer intense losses against the israelis right okay and they would win in the end but they would uh they would be in a weakened state yeah pyrrhic victory yeah classic let your enemy beat their head on the on the brick wall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you swoop in and then the iranians swoop in maybe here's uh here's something super tangential um i read it was just the headline mm. but just to get the cogs ring uh the headline was could canada and mexico become BRICS nations <laughs> the, uh, my, my official follow uh my <laughs> <laughs> That got him good. <laughs> I think no as well. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with Julian that it's kind of laughable. But I think that the uh, the Commonwealth should federalize is, is my thing, right? Yeah. That would be our turn right after that. If once we federalize, would be to tighten our relations with uh, China, yeah. Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, South Africa, get, India. Get the homeboy. Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> the Brazilians, uh, like, 
I forget they're in they're in the Bricks Nation. It's sometime. the first one. <laughs> they're they're out to lunch if they think they're ever gonna be anything but the Americans' little bitches, right? They're too close. They don't have the resources to support themselves, and they gotta sail basically right by America's fucking doorstep uh, to get those resources. In. You know, they would have the resources if people would just stop nagging them about cutting down the Amazon. <laughs> no, they uh, they don't care about that. They uh, they cut down the Amazon to get these resources that they need, which mm-hmm. is food basically is the main resource they don't have enough of yeah but they uh the rainforest comes back too quickly you have yeah. to like slash and burn and then chalk and lime the mm. or dirt and then put new dirt in on top of it wow. and even still the rainforest will creep back in and flood the area too quickly right uh. and so you can't grow crops there year over year it's too aggressive and tropical an area right it's not like the midwest where only grass can grow and mm-hmm. so you just put your own type of grass wheat yeah. in there right get rid of the local fauna yeah uh yeah clearly these people didn't watch uh, avatar mm-hmm. they, they would have <laughs> learned an important lesson they didn't play enough map games growing yeah. up yeah, <laughs> definitely uh julian mm. that was a big laugh for yeah. somebody who hasn't said anything about my outrageous statement <laughs> no i mean we're 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 one and the same with the united states we're yeah. their bitch. Yeah. We are just the North America. Yeah. We're but, all North American scum, uh-huh. as LCD sound system puts it. Good. No, I, I don't think the Mexicans are as tightly bound on the leash as we are, right? They do have that, that nice cultural difference. Yeah. We don't have yeah, that. That's true. Yeah. We just have poutine barely defending us, mm. and that's, that's like a paper thin. Poutine and maple syrup. Yeah. Those are the only differences. The, the only thing that uh, really maintains us is that the Americans still value the illusion of liberal democracy for their hegemony around the world, yeah. right? If China and Russia actually step to them, they will drop that illusion within the decade. You know what I mean? That's classic fallout lore. <laughs> America is the whole of North America yeah, into Canada and Fallout, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. As soon as that war happens, Canada gets annexed. Yeah, uh, and then they go, "Wait a minute, Mexico, we don't need you either. Get over here." <laughs> uh, my opinion on, on fears of being annexed by uh, the U.S. is that to take most advantage of the inevitability of that annexation is that we should become indigestible. Mm-hmm. Should, yeah, exactly. Just give them terrible heartburn. Uh, what I mean by, basically, but what I mean by that is set up special forces units uh-huh. and then distribute them all over Canada in little groups of three or four uh-huh. in little huts with their own little sets of resources and be like, you know, if you cross the border, these guys are just going to kill people all over the place, yeah. right? And then also have nukes, you yeah. know? Get some nukes. <laughs> like <laughs> the, uh, the ultimate deterrent, as they say. Yeah, like, uh, is Chicago, sorry, is Canada, is Alberta worth losing Chicago, I say to you, yeah. right? The Americans don't make that trade, we, right? We're too dispersed to be worth nuking. <laughs> yes, exactly. You drop one on Toronto, okay. Yeah. The rest of the country. We're fucked either way, is basically. Absolutely. So, do you want to be fucked yourself, is what we throw back at them, right? <laughs> And that that's that should be the strategy. And even that wouldn't stop it, right? Because no. then they would go on a brutal assassination campaign to fucking try and inge- uh, to take over us, right? Yeah. And so what I think the indigestion thing uh, should be is should be a bargaining chip, yeah. so that when they finally do decide to annex us, that we can say all citizens get free housing, all citizens get free food, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the citizens of Canada and their bargain with the United States is that yeah. we get better living conditions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you guys are going to do fascism, at the very least, we get national socialism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trains will run on time, damn it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if we have trains. Yeah, fuck. Wouldn't that be nice? The Americans come in and just go, no, all the trains are being ripped up and all highways have to go in. There are only more trucks and cars. No. A true dystopia. Have you seen that meme? It's like a TikTok of uh, if Egypt was colonized by uh, the United States and they've got freeway passes going over the pyramids. and There's there's parking garages on every brick of the pyramids. It's so bad, but so funny. But you know what the funniest part about that TikTok is? Egypt is a colony of the United States. It basically yeah. is. The, the last three dictators or whatever of the United of Egypt, sorry, were chosen by the United States. Mm. Mubarak, um, what's his name, the, the new guys. guy? Yeah, Fuck him. <laughs> too many. <laughs> he got two more than I did. 
Uh, what? I only got one. <laughs> I, I thought you two had another one there. At the no. end. There's another. There's the guy in right now. <laughs> oh. I don't know his name. Whatever. Um, Mubarak was there, and then they were like, uh, they were like, we're gonna install a democracy. And then the they got spring, sa- re- yeah, revolution. The, the Arab Spring, yeah. and then the the Muslim Brotherhood got in, and they yeah. were like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe we won't. Maybe do that. you chose the wrong style of democracy. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's basically all I've got on that. What do you think? You want to talk about aliens, or you want to talk about uh, this Russian military blogger? Let's do the blogger. Yeah? Yeah, you teased me at the beginning of the episode. Okay. Uh, Russian military bloggers have been being killed for several months now, and it's interesting because they have been, uh, I don't know, a weapon in the Russians' international political thing for a long time. Right. Uh, basically since 08, when NATO announced that they were going to try and get uh, Ukraine into NATO, mm-hmm. the Russians stepped up their international violence abroad, right? Syria, they, they've been all over the place, right? I think they rolled into Georgia in 2008. Uh, right? Yeah, it might have been, no. For the second time. The second time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds correct to me. That timeline sounds good. Um, but anyways... The, uh, a big key of this is that, what's it called? The, uh, the corporate, the Russian mercenary group, Wagner. uh, Oh yeah. So Wagner has basically been their tool of actual hard power around the world, but you need recruitment and you need, you know, like a buzz for that to work. Right. Mm. Cause you're paying people to go basically die for your incremental gains around the world. right? Right. And so there's been this web of what they call Russian military bloggers who speculate, uh, try and agitate, and try and improve the tactics of uh, the Russian military, and then also improve their own lives by being the best at speculating, basically. Okay. And, um, but as this war has gotten worse and worse, these Russian military bloggers have been starting to be killed, right? Like, especially if they're inconvenient in any way, shape, or form, right? Like, if you're giving out secrets that, uh, or you're too good at speculating, right? And you can become, like, a, a weather gauge for the Ukrainian forces. Yeah. Um, it's it's just interesting, and it shows that the, the violence has reached another level, and it's going to continue to escalate, in my opinion, because if you're starting to kill your own people for propaganda uh, victories, right, you are starting to value human life at next to nothing, basically, right? But yeah. I only bring it up because the way that this guy was killed is incredible. And so this is a specific blogger? Uh, yeah, a, a specific blogger whose name is... Uh, Unimportant. <laughs> uh, Vladlin Tatarsky. Okay. Vladlin? Vladlin Tatarsky. Okay. Uh, and he was killed uh, by a Miss Trapova who apparently had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. A complete cat's paw, completely unaware. But he was given an award, a, a statuette, a little, basically like a little Oscar. Yeah. And it exploded oh. and fucking killed him. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the officialness with which that is done, right? Like, and the lack of care about uh, who uh, who knows who killed him, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 CNN article that I read described it as the complete merging of the mafia class and the political class. Yeah, and I was like, that's not a bad description, right? But it's more like the mafiaization of the political class as they recognize what kind of existential threat they've put themselves in by yeah. starting this war, right? That they're they're all in now, right? And uh, I just want to double down on that nuke bet. It's coming. <laughs> they, Warsaw, or maybe Lodz, or Brest-Livosk, one of the main, major cities in Poland is going up a nuclear fire. Yeah, the Poles will cross the border. They're going to get their M1 Abrams. They're going to spark some goddamn incident on the border so that they can come to the defense of the Ukrainians. And then the Russians will be like, great, we're going to nuke you. <laughs> and that will be the end of it. You don't think Krakow? Krakow? It's, uh, it's too west. Yeah. And it's got to be on the east. Uh, don't you think that would scare the rest of Europe more, though? Might be too much. You think? Yeah, you don't want to convince the Parisians that they got to launch all their nukes from like their subs to try and knock out Russia before they can throw uh, their nukes know. in the air. That could work. That could be fun. I don't know. I, I think it'll still be smaller than that. 
I think it'll be one nuke on a like a territory sized town. Like Bakhmut. <laughs> Bakhmut's already taken. Yeah, I know. But like, like a Bakhmut sized city and, and situation. Oh, you think it'll be Ukrainian too? Is basically the implication there. Yeah, pretty much. Nah, what? What's the point in nuking the Ukrainians? You've basically already beat them. Mm, here's the point: they're supposed to host Eurovision this year. <laughs> And they can't do that if they don't <coughs> got any cities. That is, would be a play. Are they really hosting Eurovision? A, they won last year. The winning the winning country always hosts the next year. When's that set for? What what month? June, end of May. Oh man. Yeah. I would take any opportunity to kill any fucking Euro person that was there. Any, <laughs> if I was the Russians. Yeah. Just, yeah. You'd nuke the Eurovision contest? No, I, I think nukes is a little much, but I think uh, cruise just, missiles. You know, I, like. Honestly, I think like uh, just like an invasion just live on air while it's going on during the finals you just rush no capability for that just slaughter everyone that would make that would make a an impact here's the finals it's estonia and france but wait it's russia (laughs) here comes russia what are they doing here 37 heavy tanks (laughs) um no it it would be in kiev and kiev is basically untakeable but you could definitely hit them with uh cruise missiles right Uh no way they're able to hide that many celebrities from the Russian intelligence, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? They will know where that's being recorded. For sure. And then you kill a bunch of European celebrities, right? European celebrities? Eurovision is huge it's in very Europe. It's big in Europe. Huge. Are they celebrities, though? I thought they were just like... They're, no, they're up-and-comers, but because Eurovision is so uh, huge, it propels them into this uh, yeah. subculture okay. of celebrity right away, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like what American Idol used to be around here. Yeah. Even bigger, I'd say. It's, yeah. It's, it's, they've, it's really seeded in their culture at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone turns up for Eurovision. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the Europeans are pussies is also uh, one of my calculations <laughs> yeah. on this. You kill a bunch of their celebrities, right? The internal dis- like decision-making would be fast in some areas and slow in uh, others, mm-hmm. right? Like the polls. I always go to the polls. They'd be raring to go, yeah. right? And the Germans basically don't make any decisions without a 20 years notice, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, and the French, uh, the French are chomping at the bit to get out of this NATO shit. They're yeah. like, we're a world power, right? We need to be respected as a world power. We are a world power who's currently on fire because all of our citizens hate us. Yeah, they're having a bit of a tough They're having a tough now. go. They're having they're, a tough go of it. Pains. But, you know, it's so French of them, right? They, uh, <laughs> they rely on that kind of uh outburst of emotion yeah <laughs> to help them propel their society along it helps ease the the actual uh explosions of violence when there are these little fires that spark up all the time right yeah. Yeah. like if this was actually threatening to france the army would be marched in and these people would be put down right yeah. it's happened dozens and dozens of times throughout so is, french history so is the opposite to be fair uh, the, the army has marched on, on the government plenty of times. No. Nope. Yeah. When? Throughout all of their, like, renaissance period. <laughs> oh, well, that's not that nation states. You know, I'm talking, like, I don't know. Post-Napoleonic? Uh, post, like, 1700. You know what I mean? When, uh, once Louis Fourteenth says, je, uh, je suis l'état, right? Mm-hmm. I am the state. Then you can recognize that there is a, na- a nation state that there that is France, right? Sure. Post enlightenment. Post enlightenment, I want to okay. say the army is always reactionary, mm-hmm. is always in service to the government, and it always hates the people, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, eighteen seventy one, nineteen fourteen, nineteen forty. After the Germans conquered them mm-hmm. in World War Two, the French uh, reactionaries partnered with the Nazis to kill as many communists and socialists as they could because they were like, yeah, we recognize that they are the greater threat to France right now because they will be unable to be anything but terroristic and agitating, right? And so that... That was good for nothings. And that will provoke (laughs) more German uh, harshness on France and so that we need to cooperate, Mm. right? They are... uh, They're rich first, right? And French second. And so, uh, I don't know where I was going with this. The, the Eurovision. Ah, you're right. France is going to, France world power. Yeah. France number one. France wants to be a world power, right? I did that bit about the uh, the Iranian revolution mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a long time ago on this show. And how uh, the French basically caused that. They were like, what if we uh, 
we put uh, religious uh, insurgents basically in charge of Iran, right? And maybe that shakes up the world stage enough that, you know, the Americans and the British lose their spot as a world, as the world power. And maybe, you know, down the line, France again, you know what I mean? Not immediately. Maybe we have to play second fiddle to China for a hundred years or so, but... What was once, uh, what, what was long united must be divided, right? Yep. The Chinese can't run shit for forever, <laughs> right? And it's just how they think over there, right? It's a, a risk board game. They have to win, right? They, mm-hmm. There's no other play but increase the map area as much as possible. Genocide people to become more French, right? Like, we. Oui. And that's the way it is in every nation state. I'm not attacking the French in particular, right? It's just the way... World politics works. Real politique. Real politique, right? Um, There's a reason those are French words. Yeah, <laughs> so true. C'est vrai. It's German. Huh? It's German. What is? Real politique. Oh. It's German. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're a holy Roman guys. It's Bismarck. Bismarck <laughs> yeah, came out with real politique. Whatever. Why does he speak in French if he's German? It's fucking German. <laughs> real and politique. P o l i t i c k. <laughs> Incidentally, Eurovision's going to be held in England, I believe. This year? Yeah, because of the current conflict. Oh, so no. they don't. You were just fucking yeah, around. Yeah, no, that was just a, that a was just bit. A, a theory, yeah. Shite. Yeah. Is Poland part of NATO? Poland's part of NATO. Oh, okay. Since 99. <laughs> they, were, they were the first tranche of expansion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the Soviets, sorry, the Russians, they ate that shit, right? Even though when the Soviet Union fell, uh, George H.W. Bush, I think it was, mm. promised to the uh, the Russians, and Gorbachev in particular, that NATO would not move one inch east, right? Not one inch from western Germany, right? Uh-huh. You're uh, hundreds of miles from Berlin, right? They advanced all the way to Berlin, and then all the way to Warsaw, and now they're talking about including the Ukraine and Kiev, right? Mm-hmm. The Russians felt encircled. In that oh, yeah. Did you say Finland got accepted? Fi- yeah, Finland was recently accepted into NATO. I think that's a terrible play on their part, right? Finland's? Finland's. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, Finland's unconquerable, right? Mm-hmm. They are a series of swamps, right? And a hardened nation uh, core, a linguistic core that has no other uh, ethno allies anywhere else in the world, right? Yeah. The uh, the Scandinavians they kind of feel, uh, you know, like attached brotherhood to yeah. each other, right? The Americans and the British feel brotherhood to each other. The Euros kind of have that brotherhood feeling to each other, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, fin- the Finnish are so linguistically removed that they feel like. It's only them. And they yeah. can only rely on themselves, right? Yeah. It's kind of why their social state has uh, evolved to such a degree, right? Because they feel surrounded, right? And also, they proved that they cannot be conquered by the Russians anymore. They were a Russian, uh, what's it called? Possession? Puppet. What were you going to say? I said puppet. Puppet's a good word. Fiefdom. Fiefdom's a good word, too. Until the Russians couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Right? right? 1917, they, uh, they got let go. And since then, they've been unable to be taken back, mm-hmm. right? Even during World War II, right, when the Russians had seven, eight million men in the field, thousands of tanks, right, they still couldn't take Finland back from the from the Finnish, right? Yep. With barely any German help there. It's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> Always fun to remember that Finland was an Axis power. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just uh, hanging out. Forgotten too quickly, in my opinion, <laughs> right? Maybe but, not power. Maybe power's not the right word. Uh, an Axis ally. Axis alive. Yeah. Was Ireland as well? No. They thought about it, didn't they? They did think about it. <laughs> that was fucking terrible thoughts, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. They're just thoughts. <laughs> I'm thinking terrible thoughts right now. The, uh, you can't tell. As uh, unconquerable as Finland is, mm. Ireland is extremely conquerable. <laughs> right? yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's been proven. If the British were given any excuse to use the kind of force that it would take to conquer Ireland, they could have done it in seconds mm-hmm. in 1940, right? 1941, 42, 43, 44, yeah. 45. They basically only didn't do it as a diplomatic play for the Americans who have large numbers of Irish descendants, yeah. right? Joe Biden, right? He, he does that bit all the time. Uh, Someone asked him if he was going to King Charles's coronation, and he just goes, I'm Irish. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude. <laughs> I watched the Lego movie the other day, and I put it together that the cop is Irish. Mm. 
It's like that's a nice touch. I didn't really. I didn't. I, I didn't put that together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six hundred thousand Irish people fought for the crown in World War One. I'm just saying. Yeah. You can be Irish and fucking uh, loyal to the crown. It's great. Not anymore. Well, not now. Northern Irish. Yeah, not Those aren't Irish. Troubles. My last name is <laughs> <laughs> Oops, cut yeah. that out. Yeah. 49 yeah, minutes. 49.45? Yeah. Okay, Sorry. Yeah, uh, oops, name drop. I have an Irish last name is what I said. Where were you going with Finland? Uh, not really anywhere. Uh, didn't didn't that deal only come about because Turkey said it was okay? Yeah, Turkey okay. That's yeah. Cool. And Sweden's still waiting, I think, because Turkey won't let them in. Yeah. I think. Does that sound right? Well, that does sound right to me, because, uh, but either way, uh, I think the Turks only let the Finnish in because they realize it's not a fucking negative for them, and it's yeah. a negative for the Finns, right? And a negative for the Russians. Positive, 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 because yep. it's negative for everyone else, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, serious mistake, in my opinion. They were already de facto members of NATO, right? Yeah. The, the front line that extends across, against Russia, if the English-speaking empire that rules the world, right, were to in, uh, actually engage in, like, a World War One-style fucking uh, war with Russia, the front line would extend through Finland. There's nothing the Finnish can do about that. Yeah. They can't stop us, right? No. But the... Uh, to actually formally include them makes them a target right off the hop for that first meeting of forces, right? Like, what's to stop them from saying, well, Helsinki is a, a port that will be uh, vital to the logistical supply of all of the Finnish front, and so Helsinki has to be fucking nuked, yeah. right? Are we going to nuke the whole world over Helsinki? Probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no, but that's the future I want now. I, I think everyone's just going to have itchy trigger fingers at that point. Your itchy trigger finger is uh, completely re uh, regulated by the giant pussy that you have as a world leader. Because anyone who gets there only gets there through fear and psychoticism, right? That they are basically a rat, right? Yeah. Uh, Given good box. Rats are easy to scare, though. So are humans. <laughs> exactly. There was this... There's you drop a, a nuke on Helsinki... Who's not going to shit their pants? They will shit their pants, but they because they're shitting their pants, they won't do anything else. There's this great uh, quote about uh, after the Napoleonic Age, there was basically peace in Europe from 1815 to 1914 is yeah. the myth, right? There, there wasn't. There was lots of little wars. But there was no major fucking let's go all the uh, way, go the distance, yeah. see who's real hegemon around here, yeah. right? Let's go all the way to Moscow. <laughs> yeah, there, there was no war wars between those times, right? And uh, there's this great quote about it that says, the leaders of Europe were not w any wiser or any less aggressive, but they were more fearful, yeah. right? And today they're even more fearful, right? Because the, the nukes in Russia, they don't point at America mm. mostly, right? Their threat is, We'll destroy Europe. We'll destroy everything in Europe, right? Yeah. And so, for, and they can. There's nothing the Europeans could do to stop it. There's six thousand nukes and with uh, all equipped with warheads. Mm. I don't know. Do you think? Um... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm gonna steal your thunder here, but with a crackpot theory. Do you think somebody's just sitting on like anti-nuke missiles, just being real secret about it? I think the capability to shoot down nukes mm. is much greater than we are led to believe right that something like 10 or 20 percent of the nukes would get through mm. if the if a full exchange happened yeah that the defense uh defenses that we have my the greatest evidence for this is that the the russians have this fighter plane mm -hmm. and it's huge it's way too big i don't remember the name of the fighter right off the, that sounds right but it's got two engines out the back, and it just goes so fast and basically has no ability to turn, right. right? And so basically the only use for it is to get up really high and fly really fast and just launch little missiles that go, can go about 100 kilometers each and try and shoot down as many intercontinental ballistic missiles mm. as possible, right? Yeah. And I feel like it would be excellent at that role. And <laughs> And that's the Russians, right? The Russians are not as technologically advanced as us. Yeah. Who the fuck knows what we have in our uh, anti-nuke fucking uh, capabilities? I uh, I know it's not common knowledge. I know that they, uh, the Americans would keep that under wraps. Do you think like a big bubble? 
<laughs> I bet you there are laser weapons. I bet yeah. you there are like uh, a Simpsons dome. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more like energy. Like they just they just they flip the switch and they go, okay, we're in sci-fi zone. Like we were hiding this. No. Star Wars project. <laughs> yeah. This, I think the Star Wars project came to fruition as basically like that was thirty years ago in uh in the eighties. They were talking about they had the capability to shoot down the nukes. If they were thinking they had the capability under Reagan, we definitely have it now, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so I assume there are at least a couple sat- uh, satellites with laser weapons, but I assume more that there are like SAM sites, uh, anti air uh, sites where right. these missiles are just trained to shoot down other missiles before mm. they explode and that would be the end of it the uh, a nuke is a not just any bomb right you're not right. just blowing up explosive material it's a complicated firing mechanism where you take a bullet of uranium and it has to be fired at high speed at another uh, block of uranium mm-hmm. so that they collide in such a way right and that has to be done at a certain time in the trajectory of the missile right so if you shoot down that missile it's not going to just like blow up on yeah. the ground right it's not like a uh, a shell from world war one where mm. you step on it and you blow up you know what i mean it's no it doesn't work like that well if you step on a chunk of uranium you're no good, probably, right? <laughs> Things are still going to be bad. Bad for you individually, before, right? but not bad for that fucking kilometer and a half yeah. of an area. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, no, that's off topic. I won't go there. Okay, we've got five minutes, so you can... Uh... You can go there. All right. Did you guys see that video that went around recently of somebody, like, found a canister? I think I posted it on Tumblr. Uh-huh. Somebody found, like, a steel tube. And they're yeah. like, hey, this thing's really weird. Like, if I... If I record it with my camera, the camera gets all fuzzy. Yeah. I, like, put my hand in front of it, it stops. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so like, funny. Yeah, they just had to have, like, their hand amputated or something. No way! <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> what? What is this? Yeah. Is your name Madame Curie or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Right? All the TikTok comments were like, what the hell are you <laughs> <laughs> it's Call all the authorities. It's all for the views. Where did he find that? I don't know. Where you don't know the country of origin at least nothing. It was Western, I think. That's creepy. <laughs> at least if it was Russian, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Try to find Knowing TikTok, it, it might have been from China. Yeah, I don't think it was. No. Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking about everything in World War One terms. Yeah. Right. Uh, recently. After that terrible game you played. Yeah, it's really the only thing that made it happen. Yeah. Which game? I bought a, a game called The Great War of the Western Front. Mm. Yeah. It was uh it's cartoonish. For how much it's been and I didn't really check it out until I read your little review on it. It was hyped. Yeah, it was all over the front page and I looked at it and I went, This is this looks dumb. Yeah. This looks silly. <laughs> yeah, it it was dumb and silly. And I, I beat the game too, right? It's not like I'm just mad because I, I got a skill issue. Mm. I, I beat it on veteran difficulty and it was it was terrible. Like the the game experience throughout was terrible. Yeah. And then I went back and edited it after I'd beat the game because I realized that there was no stats at the end. Yeah. Right? You don't even get to see how many Germans you killed. Oh, no. Terrible. How, how dare they? And then the 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 map is uh, basically like civilization hexagons, right? Okay, right. And uh, so they have this thing at the end called the final strategic map. Right. right? It doesn't work. No? So I managed to crack... <laughs> I managed to crack the line uh, of the Germans and surround the northern part of their army against the border of the Netherlands. Right. So the the map should have looked like this and then there, right? Yeah. But it was just the original border. They just put it in and were like... <laughs> they, there it is. They, they were like, the game mechanics are thus that nobody's going to be able to move the border, really, right? Yeah. Because that's how World War One is. And so we don't need to put in a game mechanic with the, <laughs> the final border. No one will notice that the border's not what it was. I was like, that's fucking insulting, right? Maybe it's supposed to be like a, like a poetic thing. Like the final map is always going to be this unshifting line because of the grueling state of things. But it wasn't. I fucking cracked <laughs> the line and surrounded three, four hundred thousand Germans. Like, oh, this is the uranium one. I think so. I don't know if it's uranium, but it's some kind of material. The cap of this metal box. <laughs> My camera goes all funky. Anyways, I'll put the lid back on. <laughs> that is just nuts. That that guy would be like, "Wow, that's cool." 
I should do it again Are and you, again. Are you alright? Okay, you're telling me you live in a backwater town. You're, you're, oh, yeah, you're, most people you're very yeah. much less educated. You have no idea. You know, you're not interested in war stuff like you are. You find a funny metal thing and you go, huh, this is weird. I guess I have played a lot of Fallout. <laughs> right? I would, uh, there's I'm, there's no way I don't find a funny metal tube in my swamp and I go, oh, that's crazy. Well, I'm going to pick this up. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Crack. You know. Uh, nothing. <laughs> every time, like while you were telling the story and then showed me the video of the guy moving his hands, I could actually hear the radiation <laughs> sound from, from <laughs> yeah. Fallout. Like, oh, I got to get out of there. I gotta uh, the, get Ge- out. the Geiger counter's ticking. <laughs> the Geiger counter, right? Where's right. my rattle away? Quick, quick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's an hour. That's an hour. That's an hour. Summer's coming. Summer is coming. But April is here. Thanks for tuning in.